Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scrub Nation Podcast. I am Ryan Sharp, and with me always is Todd Lancaster. What's up, dude? Oh, you know, nothing much. Basketball season's going. I know we were talking about earlier, you were just watching the Mavs, and we kind of, you know, discussed a little bit of basketball and stuff, but we'll dive into that another episode. World Series is coming up. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, so, baseball season's almost over. So, uh, kind of sad, but football's rolling along. Going for us, yeah, yeah. Football, football is uh, is mid swing. Um, basketball's just now taking off. Baseball's coming to a close. Hockey's mid swing. Although we won't really talk much about hockey because, to be honest, we don't really know a whole lot about hockey. Um, yeah. You know, you got you got soccer going on, um, MLS playoffs. You got Premier League going on, Champions League, World Cup coming up. There's just a lot of sports going on in general. So it's a good oh, time. Yeah. It's a good time to be alive, but. With all that being said, let's jump into NFL action week seven takeaways. What is something that you took away from this week? Man, uh, it was a it was a weird week of football uh, with uh, the the big, really the big four teams sitting out. You know, with the Bills and the, the Eagles and the Rams, and uh, mine just went blank on the fourth team. Uh, but uh, you know, some of our our big guns are are are, are out. You know, they they took a week off for us, and um, but there was still some pretty good action. Uh, one of the big things that uh, kind of jumped out to me, uh, we talked about a little bit, is uh, man, the Bengals look really good two weeks in a row now. Really, the last six quarters of football, the Bengals have looked terrific. Uh, so yeah, uh, they got. That that's a big thing that jumped out for me. Uh, yeah, I would say the Joe Burr is back. You know, it's not Joe Burrow anymore. <laughs> you get you getting Joe Shiesty, whatever nickname you want to throw out there. He's oh, he's coming back. Uh, and as he's as he's bouncing back, yeah, so is Jamar Chase. Uh, so, yeah, that that whole offense is bouncing back. I mean, um, you you got Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Shiesty, whatever you want to say. I'm just going to say Joe Burrow because uh, I just – I like the name Joe Burrow. It just it fits. <laughs> I, although I like Joe Shiesty, so that's okay too. But when you got when you got a gunslinger back there slinging that thing around all over the field, um, things look really good and go really good. They look like the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, finally. Um, Burrow finally looks comfortable. Um, it's showing – um, it just took the coaches long enough to figure out that Burrow likes to work from the shotgun with the spread offense, it seems like. Yeah, and, and the spread's obviously going to give him more time in the pocket uh, with his uh, horrible offensive line play that he's had in front of him because, like, the first two weeks he was sacked 13 times. It was like seven one game, six another or something like that. And the last two weeks combined when they've – when Burrow has looked tremendous, he's been sacked a total of six times, which is still not good when you think about it. Three sacks a game. But on, on the flip side, Burrow looks comfortable, like you said. He looks really, really comfortable. Uh, those first five games of the year, he was like 65% completion. He had 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, uh, passing. And I think he had uh, a rushing touchdown, so it was like 10 touchdowns to – six turnovers because it was five picks and a fumble or something like that. Uh, those first five weeks and the last two weeks, he's thrown uh, – trying to think here. Mine just went blank. Um, 
eight touchdowns total. Yeah. There was six passing and two two rushing touchdowns. And so eight touchdowns, no turnovers compared to the ten and and six, you know, that he had in the first five games. So Burrow looks comfortable, like you said, working out of the shotgun. Um and like I kind of touched on it earlier, Jamar Chase is is coming along with him too. It was like that uh return to New Orleans was a little bit of a renaissance for the two guys and uh Chase has he had 15 catches on 21 targets the last two weeks, uh, like 260, 265 yards, uh, four touchdowns those two games, which the touchdown rate is not really – it's not going to be a repeatable thing for him. He's not going to get two touchdowns a game. Um, but, man, he just looked really comfortable. He looked really yeah. good himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about a team that is not looking good. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Should have stomped the Steelers last week. Should have stomped the Panthers this week. They have essentially a fully healthy offense, minus Julio Jones. But they only put up three points against the Panthers. A Bucks defense that has been ranked in the top five um, had, ha- has had some great matchups in the last few weeks and have failed to do anything with it. Um, and now their schedule gets harder. Uh, the offense was facing some of the worst defenses in the league and failed to do anything with that. Um, like Brady, bro, you should have just stayed retired and gone to Bora Bora with your wife. Now you're looking like a scrub. Um, <laughs> like this week, he threw for 290 yards. Not, not bad. Evans went for 96 yards. Godwin went for 43. Gage went for 39. Fournette had 19 yards rushing. But on the other side, on the flip side, you had P.J. Walker, not, not a starting quarterback, not a, not even a second string quarterback, but was the third string quarterback. Just happened to be in a the right place at the right time with Mayfield and uh, Darnold. But yeah, and Darnold being hurt, so he steps in. He threw for 177 yards and a touch and two touchdowns. And then you have basically the second string and the third string running backs who ran for almost 200 yards on the Bucks. They all ran over. Yeah, as a, as a team as a whole, they just I, – I don't know how to describe it because this is a team that many expected to compete to get back to the Super Bowl um, and, you know, maybe give Brady that final opportunity to grab a ring on his way out the door. And it doesn't um, – really both of them, the defense and Brady, because I'm not going to put the rest of the offense, like, down just yet. Like you said, Fournette only had 19 rushing yards. He had a horrible day. That's whatever. That's a problem in and of itself. But for that Buccaneers offense, it's built to center around Tom Brady. And Brady's not – he's just not performing. And I'll give him that Mike Evans dropped like a 60, 65-plus yard touchdown on that first drive. Wide open, just dropped it. There was no defender within 15 yards. Um, And so you can – Blend that on Evans, fine. But Brady has looked like father time is finally catching up. And that's something, you know, one of the two things that that we're going to start saying about Brady over, you know, the rest of the season and stuff that we never thought we would ever say. And that was, A, father time's catching him. And, B, he's going to be single. Like, first off, why would you divorce your supermodel wife? Whatever. Not the point. But, (laughs) but. Father time is catching up, and it, and you see it, you know. Like we've talked about in other weeks, you, 
you see the legends. Not a lot of them go out with final years. Peyton was horrible. Big Ben was, it was not pleasant to watch. Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, those guys of our time, you know, they weren't, they weren't super fun to watch on the last couple of years. Brett Favre, another one that it was just, it was hard to watch his last season. And so I, I think this is it for Brady. I think it's father time's catching up and the team's suffering because of that. And I have no excuse, nothing to blame for the defense other than they have just been flat out horrible. Yeah. It's just, it's what it is. It's Buccaneers football in 2022. Yeah. 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 They, uh, they better buckle up, get it, buck, uh, uh, up, and buck, get ready for the ride. Dad uh, 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 joke came early, but there's still one later. Anyways, moving on. Let's talk about a couple of trades that have gone on um, the last few days. Um, the big one being Christian McCaffrey traded to San Francisco. Um, San Francisco obviously gave up some meaningful picks, um, but I think they also gained someone who made an immediate impact on their offense. And you saw that Sunday. Um, the, but the more that he learns the playbook, the more he's going to be involved, the more he's going to impact the offense. And for one year for this next draft, not having their early picks, I think they didn't have, they don't have any picks till the sixth round. Uh, I mean, you can say that that's a loss, but it's one year. Yeah. You go, I mean, you gained Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, uh, the 49ers don't own their own pick in the 2023 draft until the fifth round. So day three, they don't own their, their own pick until day three. And that's the second round of day three of the draft. They do have a third round pick that they've acquired from somewhere else. I don't remember the details, how they got that one, but they have a third round pick. Uh, in 2023 so that'll be their first pick unless they do something at the deadline where they ship somebody off and get some picks back which I don't really see that happening with that team um like like you said like they gave up some pretty hefty stuff the Panthers they got a they got a nice boost to their their to their draft stock for sure being able to look and you get a second third fourth and then a fifth round pick um, you know, the next year. And so that's that's a good haul for a injury-prone uh, running back that's, you know, he's in the prime of his career. He should be hitting his prime. Uh, we don't know if that'll be the case. Like we said, he's been injury-prone and stuff, and, and he's in a new offense. So he, he might have been able, you know, you move McCaffrey when you're struggling and get those draft picks. Um, but like you said on the flip side, McCaffrey looked really um, – really good. He made an immediate impact as soon as he touched the field for San Francisco um, on Sunday. And so I think both teams win, win that trade uh, in the long run. We'll see, you know, if three, four years down the line, we see that San Francisco is dealing with some depth issues because they traded all those picks, then they could be, you know, in trouble. But um, I don't, I don't really see that happening right now. So, that doesn't matter. So the, the, the trade looks pretty even for now. Yeah. Yeah. And another running back that was traded was James Robinson uh, was traded to the jets after Brees hall went down with that leg injury uh, where he uh, tore his ACL and a little bit of his meniscus. Um, but two implications there. One of those being ETN basically just gained the entire backfield of Jacksonville to himself, um, which has huge fantasy football implications. Um, but 
how does this affect the Jets' backfield now? Um, Michael Carter was basically given the entire game on Sunday. I went down early in the first quarter, and he did absolutely nothing with it. So does that mean that the Jets don't trust Michael Carter to step up, meaning that James Robinson is about to come in and basically take over the Jets' backfield immediately? Oh, yes, 100%. That's why the Jets, you know, they found out that Brees Hall tore the ACL early Monday morning, and then they immediately pulled the trigger that afternoon on a James Robinson trade. And I think they kind of got away with the steal here. Robinson had been dominant, had been a, a, a strong bell back in Jacksonville for a couple of years, and then they brought in ETN to be with Lawrence. Um, but – Robinson has the ability to be that bell cow back and, and give you a you know a thousand plus yard season, and he's a, he's a great piece to have, and he'll be great to have the next year when Brees Hall is working back from this ACL injury, and so it one hundred percent they don't they don't trust Michael Carter, which is fine. Um, he's never really shown to be that big you know, let's hand him the ball every time kind of back. He's a guy that comes in and, and spells your running back and. You know, takes a couple plays, makes some plays in the passing game. He's he's a good pass blocker for a running back. And so he's a great guy to have, but he's not the, the guy that you want to uh, run through when you're when you're working with your offense. And, and having him on the field a majority of the time removes that second dimension um, for your offense for sure. And Robinson's going to immediately step in and change that. Um, and, and I – I like the deal the Jets got, um, sending a six-round pick that becomes a fifth-round pick. Um, yeah, should he hit 500 he reaches, yards? Yeah, 600 yards or whatever it is. And so if, it, if it's 600, James Robinson only needs to get 260 more yards. If you're the Jets, you're like, well, shoot, we hope he gets that in three weeks, you know. And so, yeah. fine, getting James Robinson for a fifth-round pick, I think that's good value. Yeah. Um, and, and as you pointed out, for ETN, that's good for him, fantasy wise, because he's not going to be splitting carries as much. Um, he's definitely going to be getting a lot of touches. One because of his recent play, uh, which is why the Jags felt comfortable moving Robinson because ETN has been lights out the last couple of weeks. And so it's it's a win for the Jets, a win for um, Robinson, a win for ETN, and I'm honestly I'm gonna say it's a it's a massive. L, or I don't think the Jags are going to win anything out of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the Jets got away with a big steal. I, I agree with that, um, especially if if Robinson can perform, you know, at what he was performing at the first four to five weeks of this NFL season um, before ETN really started to step up and take over. Um, but to move away from some trades, let's talk about some controversy. New England pulled Matt Jones in the start of the second quarter and Zappi came in and led New England on a scoring drive and Jones did not touch the field the rest of the night. He went three out of six for 13 yards and an interception. Zappi went 14 to 22 for 185 yards, one touchdown, but he threw two interceptions. Is there a controversy there or was Matt Jones just maybe not fully ready or fully healthy to come back yet? And Belichick realized that and pulled him. I'm nobody's gonna know what Belichick's doing except for Bill Belichick himself. I'm sure Robert Kraft doesn't even know what's going on with the Patriots right now, um, because he kind of just Belichick is hands on for everything. 
and so it was it was weird um and it it has to have been something with maybe injury concerns or something uh because prior to the game Schefter tweeted like don't be surprised if you see both guys on the field and I was like oh that's that's kind of a weird thing and then six passes into the game one quarter but six passes Belichick goes and pulls Mac Jones um who last year had looked like a Brady 2.0 so you don't know like truly understand how he would have lost that trust from Belichick and puts in Zappi um who has played pretty decent um and then you're like oh snap because Zappi goes up there and throws a touchdown first drive and you're like oh okay that's why that's why Belichick pulled him and then Belichick leaves him in after he throws two picks and so both quarterbacks were largely ineffective uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there is some kind of controversy going on there, though. So, I don't... yeah, I just... it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be something to watch. I think it's going to be interesting because, um, like you said, Zappy's been playing really well the last few weeks while Mac Jones has been out, um, and you know, Mac Jones last year did play pretty well, um, you know, and he he's been playing pretty well this season until he got injured. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure because, like you said, you never know what Belichick's doing. Yeah, and the crazy part about it is, is the Patriots are just ineffective as a whole team. It's not just quarterback play right now. As a whole team, they're just – there's not a lot going on positively for them. So um, I'm going to be honest, sitting you know, sitting at work today going over um, scores and stuff and just looking at recaps and everything, and you know, I thought to myself – Maybe maybe it was Brady that built Belichick, not the other way around. So, um, may, maybe maybe they need a coaching change. I I, I know it's kind of crazy to say that, but um, for New England to go back to what it was, some big things need to happen. And um, I just I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm it's looking, weird watching the I'm Patriots at, be bad. Yeah. Bill Belichick is 70 years old, so it, it could be coming time for Bill to, to get out of there um, and, and, and kind of go, go retire and relax on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see about that. Um, you got anything else to take away from week seven? Uh, big thing is I'm just still disappointed in the Broncos. And I think this week it showed more that it was not so much Russell Wilson's issue as it is play calling and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I would not be surprised if Hackett is jobless before the end of the year. Um, and if Denver's smart, they're going to, uh, over the next couple of weeks, take the play calling out of Hackett's hands and um, pass it on to an actual offensive coordinator with the team because it's just been horrendous. That's, and that's really all I've got to say about that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The uh, the Broncos, um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a word to describe them right now. So um, that being said, I'm just going to move on and uh, leave it at that. Um, week eight matchups are uh, one of our favorite times of the podcast. And uh, last week you caught up by one. Um, you got eight right and I got seven right. Um, I did not add the totals together. Um, I need to just make a note off to the side to keep our running totals going. Um, but you made up a little bit of ground. So yeah, small step in said, the right direction. 
That's right. That being said, our first matchup is the Ravens at the Bucks. Who you got? Um, and like everything we just talked about with the Buccaneers struggling and stuff. Um, on the flip side of that, the Ravens have struggled with some things, but they've looked really good. Uh, when Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews are both on the field, and I'm sure Andrews will be healthy, 100% ready to go here. And so I think Lamar Jackson, um, Mark Andrews, and surprise, Gus Edwards, not Kenyon Drake in the bulk of the carries, but Gus Edwards, I think those three guys are going to do a good job powering the Ravens' offense, and the Ravens are going to win. Yeah, yeah. Gus Edwards looked great in his return. Uh, so that, that was nice to see. Um, but I agree with you. I think the Ravens are going to win. Like we said earlier, the Bucks just – the Bucks don't have anything going for them right now. And until they can show me they do, uh, I, can't, I can't roll with them. So it's, yeah. uh, it's got it's to be the Ravens. But next we have the Broncos at the Jags. Who you got? Um, I want to first off – first start off by saying that nobody is going to wake up and watch this game. No, now there's not a single person in the world that's going to wake up and be like – Hmm, I should cut the Broncos and the Jaguars on while I'm eating breakfast because they're playing in London Sunday morning. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a slop fest, an absolute just snoozer. And I have zero belief in my Broncos right now, and we're probably fixing to start selling off players and stuff. I know there's been rumors for Chubb and Judy and for Hamler already. Um, probably some other guys that are gonna be gone. And so I, picking the Jaguars to win. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, like just like the Bucks, until the Broncos can show me they know how to play football, I ain't picking them. It's got to be the Jaguars. Yeah. So next we have the Cardinals at the Vikings. Man, the Vikings look really good. Um, the Cardinals offense looks pretty decent. Uh, D Hop is back and, and immediately made an impact. Uh, he got like 10 or 12 targets or something like that. I know it was double-digit receptions, and uh, he, had, he had things flowing uh, immediately off the suspension. So, But the deal, the difference in that game Thursday with the, the Cardinals and the Saints was Andy Dalton threw two picks, had an absolute meltdown uh, right there before halftime, and that was what ended up being the difference. Uh, so... I don't see them beating a Vikings team that's really good right now, so I'm going to pick the Vikings. Yeah, I think you made a good point when you were talking about Andy Dalton throwing the picks because um, two of those were pick sixes. Um, you know, yeah. So that's, that's 14 points that the offense didn't score. Um, you know, and you, know, you could say, well, the offense didn't have to score because the defense was scoring, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the offense looked good. They were moving the ball, but they weren't putting points on the board. Um, yeah, and the Vikings are coming off a bye, um, so they're going to be fresh, ready to go. Um, Kirk Cousins is going to be ready to, to fire on all cylinders. Um, it's not then, a prime time game, so you don't have to worry about a Kirk Cousins meltdown. Exactly, and then he's going to be ready to put on his his J.C. Penney's Coles Cash um, outfit, do a press conference, and go home and mow the yard. Um, <laughs> you know. So it's got to it's got to be the Vikings. I, I agree. Um, but next we have the Bears at the Cowboys. Who you got? Oh, the Cowboys easily are going to win this game. Uh, Dak struggled a little bit early in his return, but uh, kind of smoothed it out there towards the end. The defense looks really good. 
the defense is going to be way too much for Bustin. I mean, I'm sorry, Justin Fields to handle. So Cowboys easily. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. the The Bears looked good on you know on Monday night, but um, the Cowboys defense is just too good. And we just added somebody else to that that defensive line that's that's going to help um, provide even more pressure. Um, so. Yeah. Next, we have the Dolphins at the Lions. Who you got? Um, the Dolphins are in a neck-and-neck neck race with the Texans uh, and the Panthers uh, to see who is going to get the number one pick. Uh, in many ways, I see the Lions landing that pick. Uh, they've just been awful um, for the most part. Yeah, they've put up a lot of points some weeks and stuff, but they have a lot of holes that they need field and so I think the Dolphins are going to do this this will be the two wood knocks the rust off game he's going to get comfortable again probably have a you know a great game he's going to look good and it's going to start the Dolphins are going to start trending where they were at the beginning of the year yeah yeah I agree I mean granted Amon Ross St. Brown went out against the Cowboys with a possible concussion he ended up not having a concussion so he'll be playing but you have an explosive Dolphins offense. Um, like you said, Tua is going to knock the rust off against a terrible Lions defense. Uh, I mean, the, I, I just don't think there's any contest there. So Dolphins all the way. Next, we have the Panthers at the Falcons. And I'll go first on, on these next couple. Um, and I'm going to say the Falcons on this one. Um, the Falcons, I think, are going to look to bounce back um, after a loss. Um, I know last week I said I was high on them against the Bengals. The Bengals stayed hot. I was betting on the Bengals not to stay hot. Um, that being said, I think the Falcons can put it together. They just got to quit dropping the pieces on the ground. You know, the puzzles yeah. on the table put it together. Um, so I think the, the Falcons can do that to get the Panthers this week. Um, if you would have told me last week that – the Panthers were going to embarrass Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I probably would have called you crazy, had you sent to an insane asylum. Uh, you know, especially with P.J. Walker at quarterback. Uh, but I'm going to be the crazy one here, go way out in left field. I'm going to pick the Panthers to win. All right. So. Our, our first disagreement to see if somebody pulls ahead or starts to catch up again. Next, we have the Patriots at the Jets. And here we go again. They just lost Brees Hall, but they just brought James Robinson in. I'm going to go the Jets. They're going to fly over. I, I agree with you on this one. Uh, I expect James Robinson to go very big here in his Jets debut, probably pushing the 100-yard mark. Uh, Jets win for sure. Next, we have the Raiders at the Saints. Who you got? <laughs> I don't got much to say other than I think the Saints are going to win this one. Um, I doubt it'll be Andy Dalton at quarterback this week. I know Dennis Allen has some decisions to make, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be Jameis Winston again. Uh, and Michael Thomas will be out there. And so I think I think this is a Saints win. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to disagree with you, and I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, Josh Jacobs is on fire um, and is still on fire. Um, the Saints defense to Eno Benjamin on 12 attempts gave up 92 yards and a touchdown. 
yes, his long his longest run was 45 yards, so that's basically half of it. But I mean, you give Josh Jacobs that kind of run that kind of running room, yeah, he's just gonna run all over you, especially if he continues to play like the way he's playing. Uh, and then you got Devontae Adams, you got Matt Collins, you got Darren Waller. At some point, that offense has to come together, and it's slowly getting there, all thanks to Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs has gone a long way to firing that team up and, and trending uh, that offense in the right direction. But I, they, it's it's still Carr. Carr is still a quarterback, and I'm not a believer. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit that next week. Next, we have the Steelers at the Eagles. <laughs> Who do you got? <laughs> Um, very obviously, I'm going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think the Eagles are going to soar to 7-0 and here. Um, easy, uh, easy W for them. Uh, I would like to see Pittsburgh kind of step up and, and show what they're made of, you know, pull out that gritty Pittsburgh attitude, you know, that they've had for the entirety of the franchise. But uh, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's going to be the Eagles. The Eagles are just too good. Um, next, we have the Titans at the Texans. Who you got? Um, the Texans defense is horrible um, against opposing running backs. They've got some pieces back there in the defensive backfield to, to make the step in the right direction. But they've still got a lot of holes to plug up front. Um, you know, we can look back and see that Eckler had a great day. Uh, ETN, when the Jags played, diced him up. Uh, and so I expect Derrick Henry to pull out a vintage Derrick Henry, uh, King Henry slicing up the Texans' performance here like he always seems to do. If he sees that it's Houston across the line from him, he's going to, I don't know, put up 150-plus yards. I don't know that he'll hit 150 again, but it's going to be a vintage-type performance for that. And so Titans, Titans win. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. King Henry's just going to run the ball. That's what he does. Next, we have the 49ers at the Rams. Who you got? Um, the Niners offense looked really, really good uh, with McCaffrey on the field. Uh, just in all, all parts of it, not just the running game, but the passing game looked better when he was on the field. That element is very nice for them. Um, I think the Rams are going to continue to struggle on the offense. Obviously, everyone not named Cooper Cup is playing horrible, which is crazy to think that a receiver is playing great, but he seems to be the only one that can catch a ball and do something with it. Um, but I, I still, I think the Niners win. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, uh, especially just the defensive pressure the 49ers can put on um, Stafford, you know, until that offensive line shows that they can block. Um he just he does, he doesn't have time to do anything, um, so I think the 49ers are just going to have a defensive fest. Next, we have the Commanders at the Colts. Who you got? I like the move the Colts made to try to spice things up. I don't necessarily know that Sam Ellinger is going to be the answer uh, with taking Matt Ryan and benching him and stuff. I know Ryan's got a shoulder injury on top of it. Um, most likely, Ellinger's going to be the quarterback for the rest of the season. That's what Reich, uh, Frank Reich said. Um, so it, it'll probably be that way. He's pretty devoted when he says something. He's going to stick to it. Unfortunately, if that's the case, he'll probably be looking for a job at the end of the year. 
Um, but saying that, I think the Colts are going to win. I'm not a big believer in the, in the Commanders right now. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you, and I'm going to go Commanders on this one. Um, I think Heineke, uh, you know, had his first game back last week. Um, looked pretty decent reconnecting with Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, the rest of that offense was looking pretty good. Um, and so I just, I think that we're going to kind of see a little feistiness from Heineke this week um, to show that maybe when Wentz is healthy, it's going to be a tough decision to try to go back to Wentz. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the commanders this week. Next, we have the Giants at the Seahawks. Who you got? Um, Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones is looking. I don't want to, I don't want, I don't throw this word around uh, lightly. Uh, but because of Brian Dayball, I would say that Daniel Jones is looking elite. His numbers are matching up with another elite quarterback, a guy that we, we tend to throw that at, and that's Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, it's like 1% or 2% difference in like almost every category uh, that you look at that their numbers match up. And unlike the Chargers right now, the Giants are winning while doing that. So I'm taking – I'm going to take the Giants – yeah, I agree. And on the Seahawks side of things, they lost DK Metcalf, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about, and I'll mention again in a minute. Um, you know, so they lost one of their big downfield threats. Um, yeah. You know, so now you got to lean on Tyler Lockett even more. Well, the defense is going to shut that down. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be the Giants. Next, we have the Packers at the Bills. And uh, the Packers look terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know what else to say. Uh, they, they look terrible. Um, and so I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, that the Bills are the obvious choice, especially coming off a bye week. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be healthy. And like you said, the Packers have just been – they've been terrible. They've been horrific. Um, somehow, Colin Coward gave Aaron Rodgers a C-plus on the season. I would not be giving Aaron Rodgers a C-plus rating. Um which I don't agree with Colin Coward on a lot of things. Anyways, it's not the point. Um, but I'd, I'd be giving Aaron Rodgers a D, D-plus rating for the way he's played this season. I understand he doesn't have the weapons, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Rodgers is supposed to be this Hall of Famer that can just make things happen. He's supposed to be in the GOAT discussion. It's That's not true. It's not happening. Uh, so Bill's, Bill's easy. Bill's easy win right here. Yeah. Yeah, and last but not least, we have the Bengals at the Browns. Who do you got? Uh, as we've already touched on, like, the Bengals are on fire. They look great. Uh, the Browns are on the opposite side of that. They've looked not great. Uh, so I think Joe Burrow just kind of keeps things going here. The Browns' defensive backfield is solid. Um, they've got some great pieces, but I still see Jamar Chase and T. Higgins just – feasting away on them. Uh, Mixon might even have a good day. This might just be an overall just great day for the offense. And so I think the Bengals win. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, call me crazy, but I expect a big day out of T. Higgins. It's 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 very possible um, with the way Chase has played the last two weeks that there's going to be a lot of shifting attention back to Jamar Chase. And so I think Higgins, who showed earlier in the season that he can he can put up wide receiver one type numbers um, and be that answer for Joe Burrow when Chase is not performing, I I agree things can happen. 
So, uh, I do want to say I do want to go back and change one of my picks. Oh, uh, now that I've sat here and just kind of thought about it, um, and this will be the craziest pick I'm going to change. Okay, I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Eagles. I'm I'm going to go back and change that pick. I'm going to pick I'm going to pick the Steelers over the Eagles. I don't know why. It's probably against everything I you know I know and love about football, but I just sitting here thinking about it. I I think the Steelers can do it. I think they can pull the big time upset this week. All right, all right. Well, uh, if that happens, we will definitely revisit that um, next week. Um, yeah. With that being said. We are done with our week eight predictions and moving on to our fantasy outlook. The teams that are on by in week eight are the Chiefs and the Chargers, two high-powered offenses. But before we get into any waiver wire pickups, I just want to mention um, a couple of injuries. Um, Brees Hall that we mentioned out for the season with an ACL tear and a minor meniscus. Um, if you're in a dynasty league or a keeper league, um, all the reports are saying that he should be ready to go next year by week one, um, 100% by week two. Um, so if he's one of your possible keepers, you're, you're good to go there. Um, DK Metcalf um, suffered a patellar tendon injury, um, but doesn't require surgery. Um, we still haven't heard a timeline for him on when he will come back. Um, that is still being determined, so keep your eye on that. David Njoku, um, ankle injury, was on crutches after the game. Um, expect him to be out two to four weeks. Um, if it was uh, a high ankle sprain, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, um, with every with all the concussion stuff going on, um, expect him to possibly miss one week. Um, I haven't checked um, the latest update. I thought I read something that said um, he would be playing, um, but while I'm talking, I'm going to go look and see what it says. Uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, has a shoulder injury, or injury um, awaiting an MRI. Um, if not serious, he's expected to play. Uh, Chuba, Hup, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard um, has an ankle injury. Um, if uh, they play, pay attention to the practice reports. Um, if Thursday he's not practicing, expect him to be out for two to four weeks. And the last one, Mike Williams, uh, is being reported that he will be out for weeks, not days. Um, that being said, the Chargers are on a bye week this week, um, so you're going to want to be paying attention to next week's practice reports to see what he says. Moving on, waiver wire pickups. Todd, you got anybody to focus on? Um, I was looking, trying to look deep, uh, not just surface level type guys, and uh, for the most part, there's nobody... And, and the reason I say deep is because I play in a lot of deep leagues. And uh, I know a lot of our listeners uh, and a lot of our friends and stuff, they're in deep leagues too. Um, and so you're going to be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel to find replacement type guys for these uh, without making a trade. Um, and so a couple of guys, uh, like you touched, um, you know, if uh, Hubbard is out, Deonta Foreman, he'll be a solid not super great. Don't expect something like crazy out of him, but he could get you some. Uh, I think he's projected like 10 or 11 points, uh, depending on the style of, of league you're in. Um, Gus Edwards showed out great. The Dobbins injury. Uh, and he was, he's rostered in like, uh, oh, what was the number? 16.5% of leagues or something like that. And mm-hmm. so 
that's after seeing an 11% increase this week after he had a great game. So you're looking at, at 84% of the leagues, 83.5% of the leagues he's not rostered. Uh, so Gus Edwards is a great guy to look at. Um, another guy that you could look at, possibly see uh, with this transition uh, from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger is going to be the Colts wide receiver three. Paris Campbell could see some targets. Um, he's only rostered in like 3% of leagues. Like I said, I'm going deep here. So that's 97% of the leagues. He's not anywhere. But as of right now, even as wide receiver three in Indy, he is wide receiver 45 in the league. So he's performing better than most wide receiver twos in terms of fantasy points and productions, averaging right at like nine points a game. And so Paris Campbell is another great one to look at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to touch back on Amon Ross St. Brown, um, the latest update um, says that he is not in concussion protocol. Um, so he was cleared of having a concussion and head coach Dan Campbell says um, they expect him to play Sunday against the Dolphins. Um, so there's there's that. He is not injured. Um, so for all you fantasy managers that have him, you're in the clear. Um, yeah, uh, those guys that you mentioned, uh, I have listed out too. Uh, a couple more that I have listed out. Um, I put Tyler Allegier, Allegier uh, running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, until Patterson comes back, um, this is his backfield to command. Um, like you said, uh, he's not going to do anything crazy, but he's going to get you those 10, 12 points um, per game that you're looking for. Um, and a tight end that I, that I looked at um, is Hayden Hurst for the Cincinnati Bengals. Since they seem to have figured out what this offense needs um, and Burrow is slinging the ball around and throwing the ball a lot, who benefits from great QB play? Wide receivers and tight ends. And Hurst saw eight targets this week, um, and he should continue to see a target volume around that number, and he's a red zone threat. Yes, uh, another tight end. I just thought about this. Uh, I kind of looked at him earlier and forgot to put him in my notes. Uh, backup tight end in Cleveland, uh, Harrison Bryant, will probably get some good looks this week too um, with Njoku being out for an extended period of time. So uh, so that's another tight end to look at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And he's rostered. I'm looking at it now, right now, because I just went to look at what he's rostered in. He is rostered in 0.2% of leagues. Tight end 36, so not being the starting tight end. He's below tight end one. Is now fixing step into that tight end role, less than 0.2% of, of, of leagues. And so he'll probably get some good production, and he'll be easy for you to grab. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it with our fantasy outlook. Before we move on to Todd, your boomer bus players of the week, um, one of our listeners submitted a trade um, to me to, uh, for us to talk about and to evaluate. Um, this is – he was – he is receiving this trade. So he's not sending it. He's receiving. So for anybody else who listens, I'm going to name off his team real quick. At quarterback, he has Lamar Jackson. Wide receiver, he has Jalen Waddell, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. At running back, he has Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb. At tight end, he has Mark Andrews. In his flex spot, he currently has Kenyon Drake. But on his bench, he has Kenneth Walker III, A.J. Brown, who was on by last week, Drake London, uh, and Alec Pierce. 
his kicker and defense are Cade York and the Miami defense. That doesn't really matter. But here's the trade. Okay. Yeah. He would acquire Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor. And he would give up Kenneth Walker III and Alec Pierce. Hmm. What are your what are your thoughts on this? My first reaction is you want to say yes, just going off the names. But you also have to consider how much obviously with the new quarterback stepping in, Jonathan Taylor's production is going to his touches is going to increase drastically. Um, being a veteran running back, um, they're going to want to put the ball in his hands frequently and often, especially if that offense is going to be successful. Pittman is a great receiver and is obviously going to be Ellinger's first target. He has a great ability to get separation. And so for a young, um, inexperienced quarterback to step in, uh, that's going to be a great guy to have. Same for Alec Pierce. Um, Pierce is going to be uh, tremendous uh, to uh, have in that sense. Uh, so, obviously, sending him off is going to be kind of iffy. Uh, but this is the thing that makes me go, ooh, is Kenneth Walker third has been uh, tremendous. He had 23 attempts for 168 yards and two touchdowns this last week. Um, against, a, it granted, a great defense to run on uh, with, with the Chargers, but... He has shown that when he gets his touches, he is very productive. And so none of those – I don't want to say none. Uh, it's going to be uh, – this is so tough because yeah. Taylor, Taylor would instantly, I think, replace Kenyon Drake, obviously. Kenneth Walker would instantly replace Kenyon Drake in the flex spot. Um, or, or even A.J. Brown, for that matter, would replace Kenyon Drake in a flex spot. Uh, so this is this is a tough question. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're not looking at the flex spot here. I think we're looking at the wide receiver and the running back spots, which he has Eckler and Chubb already, and Kenneth Walker on the bench to fill in for one of those guys when they're on by, and he has Waddle and Hopkins with AJ Brown, who's going to slot into the into the flex spot. But even when Waddle or Hopkins goes on by. You still have one of those three running backs who can slot into the flex spot, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so it's this is an interesting. It's it's hard to trade when you have small rosters with loaded teams. So. Yes. Hmm. So here was here was my thought. Why you think on it for a minute? I went back and looked at last week's game that Seattle played against Arizona, who Arizona has a good run defense. We would call them a middle tier, probably a little bit better than middle tier run defense. He had 21 attempts for 97 yards and a touchdown. Okay. So then you look at this week, who you obviously mentioned played the chargers, um, not a great run defense. Um, and you said he had what uh, I'm looking for. 23, 168 and two. Yeah. So had a fantastic performance. But let's even go back one more week to when they played the Saints. He had eight attempts for 88 yards in a touchdown. Eight attempts. Yeah. He is explosive. That was his first week to really start touching the ball, too. So yes. since that moment, 
when he has started uh, getting carries and stuff, he has been electric. I would have a hard time giving up Kenneth Walker. And that's the thing that is just sitting there in the back of my mind. Uh, even if this league is not a dynasty league, it's hard to give up a young guy like that uh, with, with the, the injuries that have popped up. You know, and speaking of injuries, you got to look. Jonathan Taylor's already been hurt this year. Yep. And so I think now that I've kind of stewed on it, obviously my initial reaction would have been, yes, do it, just looking at the names. But thinking about it, processing it, I think it's going to be a no. Um, that that would be a decline the trade for me. I, I would not do that. I agree. Well, I will uh, inform him of our discussion and uh, let him listen whenever this uh, gets posted up. Um, but that being said, Todd, who are your boom and bust players of the week? Um, boom was a hard one for me. We've already kind of touched it talking about the matchups and stuff. I really like James Robinson and thought that, you know, maybe he could have a really good week. Um, we talked about uh, – Oh, mine's blank in here. Um, give me a second. Oh, Lordy. What 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 is wrong with me? Um, <clears throat> talked about uh, Mark Andrews and uh, um, Tua Tungavailoa possibly having big weeks. Derrick Henry having big weeks. Um, the big thing that jumped out to me, though, the one player that I think, I think I'm going to call this the DJ Moore breakout week. This is the week that he is going to break out. My boom player is DJ Moore. Wow. Um, the Falcons have <laughs> been the worst defense against fantasy receivers. Uh, the meaning that they've given up the most points to fantasy receivers. Uh, so there, it's a good it's a good matchup for one. The problem is for him, he's got PJ Walker throwing to him. Walker didn't look terrible against the Buccaneers, who have a supposedly stout defense. And so I think Walker's going to take advantage of that. Uh, DJ Moore is looking for that breakout. This is another week with uh, with McCaffrey gone and another week with Anderson gone. And I think he's going to finally start building up that rapport with a quarterback that's going to be in that spot for a couple of weeks. Um, and so if you have a large roster, talking about, you're looking at wide receiver three or flex type play. I think this is DJ Moore's I'm, – I'm calling it. This is DJ Moore's week to just bust out and become the DJ Moore everybody uh, drafted, especially if he gets traded somewhere with a veteran quarterback. That's going to happen anyways. But as of right now, he's on the Panthers. He's going to play good for the Panthers. DJ Moore is my boom player of the week. And I heard that little wow after I said that the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm wowed. If you get this right, um, I'll I'll give you your congratulations next week, sir. Yeah, if I get it wrong, we can just go back and edit it out and delete it from the <laughs> podcast history. Or something. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> now, my bust player is going to get a wow from you as well. Um, <clears throat> it's actually two. Uh, it's a split backfield, and uh, this week, uh, the defense that these two guys are facing ranked third against fantasy running backs, meaning they are giving up the third fewest points. They're not a great matchup. Uh, and that would, the defense is the Bengals defense. So the running backs are Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Uh, with trade rumors coming up with Kareem Hunt anyways, he's probably going to see a reduced workload. So obviously you're going to want to steer away from Hunt. Uh, and Chubb, 
Uh, he is very explosive, and he's a great running back to have, and he's dependable, but he is also due for a stinker, and I think that stinker will be this week against the Bengals, and I think the Bengals are going to put up a lot of points, so it's going to be a shootout, and the offense is going to go pass-heavy anyways. And so my bust player players this week is Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Interesting. That's uh, interesting. So uh, mm-hmm. have to wait till Monday to see that one. Yeah, so we will. So we will. We will wait and see. Well, that is all we have for football. Let's move on to a little bit of MLB. It is World Series time. Astros versus Phillies. Todd, I know that baseball is like your wheelhouse. But I want to know, before you dive into anything, who do you have winning the series and how many games? Um, Good news, since we live currently (laughs) in the um, hotbed of Astros country and all my friends are going to be Astros fans. Well, majority of my friends are going to be Astros fans. And and, the majority of the people I'm going to interact with are Astros fans. Good news for you. You're not going to have to deal with me talking trash or anything. Because I believe the Astros are going to win. I think it's an Astros are going to win. Um, but they're not going to sweep the Phillies like the Astros did with the Mariners and the Yankees. Uh, I think it's going six games. The uh, The Phillies have some, have some really good things going for them right now. They're very hot. Um, and Bryce Harper is playing like the best player in the world right now. And uh, Reese Hoskins is just an electric factory. That man is on a tear, just crushing baseballs left and right. Uh, but on the opposite side, the Astros get to roll out Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, and Lance McCullers in back-to-back-to-back games. Uh, they got Verlander 2.0 and Hunter Brown. Did uh, that if you go to Pitching Ninja and look at the gifts side by side, Verlander and Hunter Brown, the deliveries are the exact same. It's kind of wild. And the offense gets to roll out. Good on Alvarez. Forget everybody else. When you get to roll out a guy that can hit baseball to the moon like Jordan Alvarez, your offense is crazy. And so I think it's going to be Astros in six. That's interesting. Um, I'll even tell you what games they win. I think Astros are going to win one, three, four, and six. All right. All right. I uh, I think this is a tough call. Uh, like you said, the Astros are playing great ball. They played great ball all year. Um, the Phillies have played pretty good ball, um, but more so when the playoffs started. I mean, they were third in their division and barely squeezed into the playoffs. Um, they just got hot at a great time and have been playing outstanding baseball in the playoffs. That being said, the Astros are an excellent team all around, but I'm going to make a bold prediction here when I say Phillies in seven. That in. Honest to goodness, I saw this tweet where this guy in 2019 projected the next 10 winners, and he's nailed the first two with the Dodgers and Braves. And I almost went with the Phillies just because that guy's riding a hot hand. I was like, wow, maybe he really can see the future. Um, Like you said, though, the Phillies have played tremendous ball. And so the Phillies in seven is not a a crazy out-of-left-field pick. Uh, the reason I didn't pick them, though, is they've played a, had to play a lot more baseball and a lot more stressful baseball than the Astros. They had to, you know, they went 
three games with the the Cardinals. They went um, five games with the Braves, which uh, not five with the four games with the Braves, uh, which the Braves are just a uh, they're just a powerhouse team and have been the last couple of years, and um, which they have the Braves have an interesting offseason ahead of them, uh, and then they went uh, five games with the Padres, who are a great team, and I'm not just saying that because they bounced my Dodgers in four, but the Padres were a great team uh, that also got hot at the right time, and the Phillies had to slug it out with them, and they went through some stressful games. They won games four and five, uh, and so, uh, but to do that, they had to they had to play in some harsh conditions with rain and and close game all the way to the end. And mm-hmm. and so I think they've got some – I think they're going to be tired going in. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. But um, talking about the, the tweet that you saw, I actually saw two of them. I saw the one that you saw, but I also saw one that had the Astros winning this year. It, it, they had the last two years both the same, so they both got them right. But one of them had the Phillies and one of them had the Astros. And I know I picked the Phillies to win in seven, but if I'm going based off the picture in 2029 <laughs> at the bottom of the other list that had the Astros winning and had the Rangers winning the World Series in 2029. So if I'm going to pick off the picture, I got to go with the Astros because I want the Rangers <laughs> to win a World Series in 2029. Hey, but, yeah, and the, the, the Phillies <laughs> picture had the Orioles winning in 2029. I yeah. had them winning much sooner than that. Though. So. But... That being said, I'm going to stick with my Phillies in seven. I think we're going to enjoy a great series um, as it is. I think it's going to be fun baseball to watch. I think we're going to see a lot of home runs. Um, I think we're going to see a few close games where um, they end in a walk-off, um, that type of thing, bases loaded, um, get the final strikeout, you know, all the, all the fun stuff that baseball fans love to watch on the edge of your seat baseball. Yeah, uh, game one, we're going to get Verlander and Aaron Nola. Uh, which will just is a terrific matchup. Reminds me of Dodgers Astros 2017 game one when it was Verlander and Kershaw. Um, it's going to be uh, Houston in Minute Maid Park. MMP is going to be uh, it's going to be hopping, man. It's going to be great, great energy. You got two power lefties like I've already talked about with Bryce Harper and Jordan Alvarez. There's going to be a lot of balls hit a very, very long way. There's a lot of swag with those two guys that. You know, when they hit a home run, they just they just do it differently with the bat flips and the, the trot and the chains and everything. So this this World Series is going to be exciting. And and good news, in, in a way, I guess, is a good way to spin this for me, is I'm not going to have to worry about who wins it. The Dodgers aren't playing. <laughs> I haven't had to worry about it in a while. I think Jordan Alvarez is going to win the World Series MVP, too. So I'm going to throw Ooh. that out there. Okay, okay. I mean, if the if the Phillies win, I'm gonna say it's Bryce Harper. He's the one that's been oh, stepping up. So, one hundred percent. If the Phillies win, it's gonna be Bryce Harper. They're gonna build. They're gonna immediately build a statue of him, uh, and it's gonna be some crazy bat flip statue, and it's gonna just be him just absolutely wigging out or whatever. Uh, because, like you said, he's been great all postseason, and he's been that hero. He was the hero for Philly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that being said, that's all we have for today. Todd, what's something you can always catch but never throw? What's something you can always catch but never throw? I don't know. A cold. Oh, good. 
And that's all Goodness we have for gracious. tonight. You guys have a great day, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Adios.